What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Tuesday morning. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. This is CBS Sports' only daily NFL podcast. In fact, it may be the only daily NFL podcast in the entire world. Who is to say what is and is not real? On today's show, we are going to talk about Clemson's beat em down of Alabama in the draft since... We will also cover the latest news, but we're going to do all that because joining us now, CBS Sports NFL draft expert, Ryan Wilson. What's up, buddy? Hello, Wilbur. Thank you for having me. It feels like we haven't talked in about 20 hours. <laughs> it's been, uh, actually, it's been 26 hours since we last spoke um, on the video phone. I would, do people, people assume people know at this point that we do these things via video, you know, just for chemistry's sake. It is a little weird that you're like on a video conference with somebody else for like an hour or 45 minutes or however long we do this. Yeah. No, we said, uh, last night we, we've been doing this for 12 years and only recently have we started doing the, I think it's, version. I think it's longer than that. No, 07, I think is when we started. Okay. Me, you and Michael Davis Smith at AOL would phone it, literally phone it in to the central, Blog bank, whatever that used to be called. <laughs> blog talk radio. That's what it was. No, but then for, then we figured out how to record on our own in the later stages of Fan yeah. House. Um, and not to bore people with the details, but, uh, you know, we also, like, I think one of the, um, one of the highlights of it was when we interviewed Doug Gottlieb, who, uh, was our colleague at CBS for a while after he left ESPN, but he was doing a March, we did a March Madness podcast with him and he was literally jumping on and off. Um, set from ESP, from Sports Center, like breaking down the bracket to talk to us. It was very bizarre. I guess Fan House had like some hipster, uh, cachet back in the day or something like that. Yeah, and that it, was exactly right. You and, and MDS were the host of that show. That was my first and last producing job. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. It was, that was old school, uh, hipster, hipster elbow grease, I guess. Well, good news for the people that liked the old renditions of myself and Ryan Wilson doing a podcast once a week. You're about to get it in the face, which I could probably phrase better. Ryan is going to be doing a weekly podcast. We don't know what day yet. Maybe Thursday? Thursday? Friday? Monday? Well, uh, let's see. My mock drafts come out on Monday. Yours comes, yours comes out on Wednesday. We'll give you Tuesday to sort of split the difference. I'm really excited to do more mock drafts, or we could just do record on Sunday and do it on Monday. We'll figure it out and let people know once the football season, once the football season gets underway. At any rate, we're going to break down the prospects. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about some NFL news. It has been reported, uh, around the league that Matt LaFleur, aka the flower, is going from the Tennessee Titans, where he was the offensive coordinator, to be the Packers head coach. Are you, I'm surprised. That he got the job this quickly. Are you shocked that the Packers wrapped up their search this quickly and brought in Matt LaFleur to be the next Packers head coach? Did you know he was being interviewed? Like I, I saw a list of names and I don't even remember seeing his name on the list. You know what? Um, since this is a, our bosses don't listen to this podcast and no one will call us out on Twitter or, or via email. No, I had no idea he was being interviewed. I just assumed that he left Sean McVay's uh, little umbrella, went to Tennessee, kind of stunk it up on offense with, um, you know, because you were talking him up in the preseason. You said this is the year Marcus Mariota is going to turn it around because of mm-hmm. the flower coming from the, the, <laughs> uh, the McVay tree, as you mentioned, and they had a rough go. They weren't very good, and Derrick Henry was great down the stretch, but overall, not a great performance by them, and so sort of surprising to see that Matt LaFleur would get that job. I will point out, though, um, that it's pretty clear the Packers have a type. They hired, let's exclude Ray Rhodes and just pretend it never happened, but they hired Mike Holmgren 
after, I believe, three years as uh, 49ers offensive coordinator to be the head coach. They hired Mike Sherman after one year in his 40s. Um, let's see here. I actually have it right in front of me. I tweeted it. Mike Holmgren was 44 years old, had been the OC of the 49ers for three years when he was hired. Mike Sherman, 46 years old, had been the Seahawks offensive coordinator for one year when he was hired. Mike McCarthy, 43 years old, had been the 49ers OC for one year when he was hired. And Matt LaFleur, all M's, by the way, 39 years old, Titans OC, one year when he was hired. Now they go with a Matt instead of a Mike. Look, it could work out. I get that you're buying into the McVeigh thing, and maybe LaFleur is better with Aaron Rodgers, and I did think that at some points Marcus Mariota started to get things going, but he could never stay healthy. He could never produce at a, at a maximum level. Pretty might potentially big blow for the Titans here, too, who now have to reboot Mariota under a new coordinator in 2018. I don't know if it's a big blow for the Titans because, as you point out, they weren't very good. Uh, Warren Sharp, who we seem to mention in every podcast, tweeted this out shortly after the LaFleur hire was uh, started making its way into the Twitterverse. Um, Matt LaFleur ran the ball on early downs in Tennessee more often and less successfully than Mike Malarkey did in each season. Oh. So, yeah, that's a concern. But here's the other side of that coin. If the Packers want to run the ball more, they ran the ball like a third of the time last year, maybe closer to 37%, and we saw how that worked out. And you're trying to make Aaron Rodgers play, be able to play another three or four or five years. You have to have that balance. Uh, people talk a lot about what happened with Drew Brees in 2016, where he threw the ball close to four million times. That team went seven and nine, I think. Alvin Kamara, Melvin Ingram, and suddenly you have balance. And Drew Brees was a Pat Mahomes away from winning the, his first MVP. Sure. So it also this is the other thing to keep in mind. People want to crush Lafleur because he didn't do well in Tennessee in his one year there. Being a head coach has nothing to do with calling plays by and large. That's a part of it if you're uh, Andy Reid or Sean McVay. But the bigger part, and we see this every year about these hot young coaching candidates, you have to be able to control the room. Josh McDaniels could not do that uh, back in 2010, I think, when he was hired. He had a, he started off hot, and then a year and a half later, he was out of a job. And year in and year out, with Steve Wilkes, fantastic defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. No one took him seriously after mid-September. Um, when he could not figure out how to use David Johnson. I think that was an indication. By the way, future Arizona uh, coaching prospects, just go in there with an answer to the David Johnson question because you're going to get it. <laughs> but uh, I think I'm fine with this hire. I, in fact, I like it. I think if it brings more balance to, to the offense, great. If LaFleur is, great, is a great people person, that's going to be even more important, especially when you're dealing with a quarterback who's, what, four years younger than you and, and is very opinionated. <laughs> is, is he even that uh... – is he, is he I think it's 39 and maybe – how old is Rodgers, 35? Yeah, LaFleur was born in 1979. Wait, so Rodgers is definitely older than him, right? Is that No, Rodgers is 35, I think. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, four year, Rodgers is four years younger than Matt LaFleur. Um, I like this headline. I just Googled Matt or Aaron Rodgers, and, uh, and the ringer writes – I don't know who wrote it, but the headline is sort of silly. It's like, Matt LaFleur will be judged based on his success with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yes, correct. That's a bold, uh, that's a bold take. Next question. That's not, uh, that's not any, uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, look, that's, it, it's good, good, for, look, if the Packers have a long history of identifying upcoming young offensive coordinators who then had success as head coaches, and so you have to kind of buy into the idea that they will do the same thing. LaFleur comes from the Sean McVay tree. Sean McVay's been excellent. Um, if he can have any of that sort of success, and again, you're talking about a guy who is 39 years old, 
um, you're set for a long time, and that's what the Packers hope they've done here. And they're keeping Mike Pettin as the word, too, so the defense coordinator will that's be right. there as he, well. He had Mike Pettin on his list, so you get some continuity on the defense. I think that'll help a lot. And I think Aaron Rodgers, just having a young mind there to work with, uh, will be helpful. But look, if the Packers don't make the playoffs this year, Matt LaFleur's seat will get hot very quickly. So have fun with uh, that, Mr. Flower. Uh, moving along, the weather in Foxborough. It's a little frosty, beginning to look a lot like Christmas, Ryan, or perhaps just the snow game in New England. There's a chance of three to five inches of snow and 30-degree temperatures in New England when the Los Angeles Chargers, who flew on Sunday afternoon back to L.A. from Baltimore, fly all the way back to New England for the matchup of the divisional round against the Patriots. Does that give you any cause for concern about the Chargers' chance to upset the Patriots? No, 30 degrees is not cold. Three to five inches. It is but, if you live in L.A.? Yeah, I, I guess, but not all those guys from L.A. They may be, may be from southern colleges or whatever. We know that Philip Rivers from Alabama went to NC State. But they've presumably played in cold weather at some point in their NFL careers. And if that's the thing that keeps you from going to the to the AFC Championship game, you deserve to lose. So <laughs> it should not be an issue. I don't know about flying back. I don't know if they consulted some travel slash sleep slash nutrition specialist to figure out if that's the best thing to do. But, you know, if they come back on Friday like they did for the, um, the and Ravens they, game. And they, and they were on a plane. You know, they, they finished that game at by 4.30 Eastern time. So you're on a plane heading out of there by 6, 6, 7, 6, yeah. Yeah, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time, 3.30 p.m. West Coast time. So you're home. You're home by dinner. On, home for dinner. Yeah, you're home for dinner on Sunday night, and then you got you know a couple of days to to get right. And yeah, I mean, I, I uh... the snow's not going to be an issue. Uh, Philip Rivers won't let it bother him. That defense is still going to be roll uh, running through people. Uh, I'd be more concerned if I were uh, the Patriots defense. Brian Flores, their de facto defense coordinator, is what hmm. they call him. How he's going to stop Philip Rivers in, in that um, in that offense? Yeah, uh, Chargers defense. Apparently knew 60 to 70% of the plays that the Ravens were going to run. And they want to put Joe Flacco out there. Right. And it was, but it was based on guard movement and offensive lineman movement. They knew exactly what was going to happen as we're watching, by the way, Davis Sweeney and Brent Venables cackling on the sideline, yucking it up. They're up 44 to 16. Last Um, time Nick Saban lost a game by more than 14 points, December 17, 2006. Holy. That's when the, when the Bills beat the Dolphins behind three touchdown passes from J.P. Lossman. Maybe maybe the Chargers will upset the the Patriots. The Patriots haven't lost a divisional round since uh, two thousand. And Nick Saban, which coaching tree is he from? Bill Belichick. Boom. Yeah, they haven't Just, lost a, a divisional round game at home since the two thousand nine season when your boy Mark Sanchez rolled into town with Rex and upset him. Oh, is that when Bart Scott was losing his mind? That was that <laughs> God. That was can't you know, wait. Wow. Yeah, but yeah, Ronnie Stanley, the the right tackle for the Ravens, the the Chargers said when he had his one foot behind the other, it was a, a pass play. When his feet were even at the line of scrimmage, it was a run play, and ninety nine percent of the time, that's exactly what happened. So look, you can fault Lamar Jackson for playing terribly for three and a half quarters, he did, but you need to be pointing both fingers uh, and, and your thumbs and the eight <laughs> other fingers, I guess, at, at Marty Morningwood. Two handed point. Yeah, there you go. Right, Give him right. the two hand salute, because look. Seven games, six and one. Lamar Jackson did the final two months of the season. Apparently, they didn't need to switch anything up because they didn't face anyone more than once, and no team had any answers for it. But credit to uh, Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator, for catching all the what turned out to be virtually the same plays they had run for the last two months. 
and they absolutely destroyed. They had seven linebackers, uh, excuse me, seven defensive backs out there, partly because their linebackers are injured, but partly because you have guys like Derwin James shooting gaps and destroying that up to gut run game that made them so effective with Gus Edwards. And uh, that, along with knowing every play that was coming, makes it a lot easier to to stop Lamar Jackson in that potent Ravens offense. Man, wouldn't they? They were something, weren't they? Uh, I I thought it was a, we talked about this on Sunday, so we don't need to rehash it. Um, but it, it was pretty wild to just see how that happened. Cody Parkey had a field goal. He didn't miss it. He had it blocked. The NFL changed that on Monday morning. They went back and looked and decided that um, yes, indeed. Uh, Trayvon Hester's fingers caught the ball, blocked it, caused it to miss, and uh, and as a result, Bears fans can get right out of here with their booing of Cody Parkey. It wasn't his fault. Somebody didn't block it. Doug Peterson made a nice whistle, and uh, you know the Bears ended up, um, you know, the Bears ended up losing because it was blocked. So let's settle down, people. Yep, finger fingertip block, double doink, and uh, the Bears are going home. Crazy. I, I, I had somebody ask me earlier, and I can't remember where it was. It was like, do you think? That the the fingertips affected the ball's flight. I was like, what? I was like, what? do you think that when you hit that tree with your golf ball that it affected right. the, like the direction of the ball? Like, shut up, man! This you wrap is... your car around a telephone pole. Does that affect your brain? <laughs> yeah, it's worst, around your skull. Worst question I've ever heard. I gotta tell you, how great was? Um, you don't know about Venmo. Do you have Venmo? You don't have no chance. You have Venmo. You don't have PayPal. Either. Is it like a checkbook? <laughs> it is sort of. So when we have babysitters, we have to pay them with Venmo because they're offended when I give them a check because they're like, dude, we're not like, listen, you old, you old geezer. I'm you not, send it to your phone. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, do you take a check? You know, the babysitter's like, Oh, uh, you're really old, aren't you? And you're like, no, no, no. I, t- I totally got Venmo. Hold on. Hold on. Let me just Venmo you. And you can just, it's an unregulated financial swapping system um, that you can leave a note on and say like this and this. So anyway, Cody Parkey missed the field goal. Eagles fans flock to Venmo, start peppering Cody Parkey with Venmo payments, like one buck, five bucks. Yeah, they're like, hey, man, thanks for missing the field goal. Here you go. Here's some cash. We really appreciate it. Well, other pe- people start noticing this. They're like, this is hilarious. Everybody's Venmoing Cody Parkey. Well, how can you, you can see what people are Venmoing? Yeah, he had his Venmo open. So you could like see. Oh, so God. anybody, somebody, somebody today sent me 50 cents and like had a football icon. Like they found me on Venmo and sent me 50 cents. So that's exciting. Uh, users, if you feel like I'm not being paid enough for this podcast, you're right. One, you can Venmo me. It's just Will Brinson, one word. Venmo me money. I'll take it, guys. Come on. Hit me up. Um, I gotta buy some beer somehow in February. Dry January. Still rocking strong. Uh, at any rate, so all these people saw Cody Parkey getting paid by Venmo, right? So they then proceed to flock to Venmo, and you can't ever tell which, which, whose account is which. They create fake Venmo accounts. They rename them Cody Parkey on the name, change the URL to Cody Parkey, change the photo to a picture of Bears kicker Cody Parkey, and these Eagles fans were like, oh, this is hilarious. Uh, go to Venmo and start peppering fake accounts with real money. I had a girl DM me, and I'm not going to reveal her real name because then people might ask for their money back. She DM me and was like, hey, I saw your, saw you tweeting about this. Screenshot it. She made 50 bucks last night. People Venmoing her thinking she was Cody Parkey because she had changed her name to Cody Parkey. It's unbelievable. I don't know if the immoral outweighs the stupidity or the other way around. Yes. Uh, I would say, well, here's the thing. The people who are sending money to a stranger over the internet for missing a field goal, they're the dumb ones. Yeah. The ones who are changing their names to accept the cash 
from the idiots are the smart ones. If you've got anytime you have an unregulated financial system or even a, fi- a regulated one, you're going to get grifters. Grifters going to grift. And if you got Venmo out there handing out payments, you're going to see some grifters happening. Uh, yeah, it's not like anyone stole that money from the person who hit send. Uh, I'm guessing there's a send button somewhere in Venmo. There's Eagles fans still. Yeah, of course there is. They don't care. Um, hey, look, again, you just sent the money to Santa Claus. Yeah, Venmo me at Will Brinson. I'll take your cash. Let's just see how this little experiment works. I'm going to get 12, 12 cents tomorrow. Uh, okay, let's talk draft. That's all the NFL news, I think. Did I miss anything? Was there anything exciting? Nope, Steelers still out of the playoffs. <laughs> the, uh, I don't know if you noticed, the Bears lost a playoff game. Yeah, I saw that. Poor Sean Wagner. Uh, let's go to the draft. I'm double-checking this. By the way, oh, my God. I just saw this. No, not the game, Ryan. Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster named AFC Pro Bowl replacement for Antonio Brown. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know why the Steelers said Antonio can't play? Why? He's quote-unquote hurt. <laughs> yes, feelings are hurt. Oh, my God. Uh, Kings, Cliff Kingsbury, by the way, cleared to interview with the Cardinals and Jets, potential Patriots offensive coordinator. He was getting blasted by Colin Coward and Peter King for taking the job with USC, who wanted to block him, and then potentially going and, and, and taking like another job in the NFL. Right. Do, do, are these guys blasting college coaches when they skip over, out on one job and go to the next and leave these college kids who have committed there to still have to go to those schools? No. I don't. I, why do they care about what Cliff Kingsbury is doing, whether it's in the college ranks or at the NFL level? Exactly. More power to Cliff Kingsbury. He yeah. was losing in Texas Tech. They fired him. USC is a disaster. He may not be a great NFL coach. Who knows? But I don't let the listen. He can be the Venmo of NFL coaches that come from, <laughs> from college. Go for it, Cliff he, Kingsbury. He shouldn't have taken the job at USC though. Just don't take right. the job. Like if you think yeah, you're going to head coaching interviews, don't take the job. You're going to be coveted at some point. Um, but Manny Diaz just backed out of a job to come back to to yeah, Miami. Yeah, where? Yeah, where's the where's the outrage for Manny Diaz? Yeah. Like he he, he was he, the head coach. Yeah, he committed to Temple as the head coach and left 17 hours later. Uh, and then the other news of the day, Ravens, John, uh, John Harbaugh and the Ravens are making progress on an extension, no doubt fueled by leaving Lamar Jackson yeah, in the absolutely. game. Yeah, good for you, John Harbaugh. All right, let's get to the draft. Dwayne Haskins has applied for entry in the draft, the Ohio State quarterback, I believe, the number one QB on your big board, right? Absolutely. As I tell my seven-year-old, yeah, of course. Uh, Justin Herbert went back to, to Oregon um, last month and made that announcement, or he said he wasn't leaving, didn't go back. And uh, that sort of cleared the way for Dwayne Haskins, although Justin Herbert had, did not have a great year. Dwayne, and Dwayne Haskins went absolutely off. Um, starting early, but here's the thing. like uh, He only threw 70 passes in 2017, or 40 passes in 2017, so no one really knew what to expect. Redshirt sophomore this season. And it wasn't until around mid-November people were like, oh, we should probably start paying attention to Dwayne Haskins, who's setting all sorts of Ohio State passing records. And then you watch the Rose Bowl where he lit up Washington, and it was just the latest great game that he had. The two games before that uh, absolutely blew out Michigan, and then he beat Northwestern in the in the um, conference title game. And over that three-game span, 14 touchdowns, one interception, 73% completion percentage. And if you just think, oh, well, he's just a product of the system, I used uh, Sports Information Solutions once again to come up with this handy stat. Look at you. One of the best deep passers in college football. He can, he, his, tar, his uh, downfield targets were uh, – his downfield passes, 25 yards or more, were on target 67% of the time, seven touchdowns, one interception, I believe. So, he, man, he checks all the boxes. He's 6'3", 220-ish, maybe. looks a little bigger than that. Doesn't run necessarily um, – isn't particularly mobile, but he can run for a couple of yards. But if you watch that Washington game, 
he throws from every arm angle and he throws accurately. We were, you know, obviously just watching Trevor Lawrence tonight light up Alabama, which got a lot of people's attention. But Dwayne Haskins, who's, you know, has two more years on, on Trevor Lawrence, is the most accurate quarterback uh, coming into this draft. And, and I think the other questions will be about just how much experience does he have? Uh, who's going to get him? And uh, I don't know if you have the draft board in front of you there, but I'll give you a, a guess. Number six is the Giants. Number seven, Jaguars. And then we go down to 10, Broncos, 13, uh, the Dolphins. So what's his floor? Oh, well, I mean, we don't know. And that's the thing. I mean, like, so, if you're, I mean, if you're John Elway, you can't pass on him at 10, right? He won't be there at 10. Okay. Uh, so you have to make a move because so you, you that's going to be the conversation. Is he going to be a top, is he going to go in the top five? Yes. Okay. And here's the deal. Uh, so the Giants are there at six. They should take him. They're not going to. I feel like Dave Gettleman's going to say, you know what? I'm quite comfortable with Eli Manning completing 48% of his passes and not being able to throw the ball 45 yards. I don't fi- look, you have, you can't just fall in love with a quarterback, okay? You have to, you have to, you have to find a guy that, that, I don't know if that's a good Dave Gettleman or not, but like, you have to, like, Gettleman believes you have to find the guy. You can't just go get one if it comes to you. Uh, I don't think the Jaguars will feel that way. I think the Jaguars will feel like they have to draft somebody. I don't know. You if have they, to. I don't know if the Raiders have to. No, I feel like the Raiders aren't going to. They have three first round picks, and I think early on in the season, where when John Gruden was making faces at Derek Carr every other uh, failed pass attempt, uh, there were questions about that. But down the stretch, I think they sort of repatched up their marriage. Perhaps therapy worked for them. But Derek Carr didn't have a terrible season. I think he set career highs in completion percentage. Uh, I don't know about yards per attempt, but he he played well enough to make you think that okay, maybe this works if they can put some players around him, and they do need some players. So. Uh, they pick four. I don't have them taking uh, a quarterback, but uh, Tampa Bay is number five, and I think they're in a good spot. The Raiders could even be in a good spot for a team to trade up and them to get even. They could have five first round picks if they play this right, which is hysterical. Uh, the Jets, all that. Let's see. The first three teams need help on the defensive side of the ball. The Cardinals need an offensive lineman, but they're not taking one first overall. Right. So could the Cardinals? Could be a, the Cardinals could trade down. I mean, like Nick, say, there could be an arms race between now and April where someone gets into that first round pick. Well, I mean, like if you're if you're the Cardinals and you have been taking Nick Bosa, Ohio State defensive end, who sat out the second half of the season, and whose brother Joey Bosa is blowing up. Nick Bosa's a, look. I have no qualms about taking Nick Bosa number one. But if they somebody, don't even need a. They have Chandler Jones. They don't necessarily need a pass rusher, but he's there, and you have to take him. Right, but if somebody offered, do you think he is by far and away the number one player? No. Uh, oh. Quinnen Williams, who we saw uh, in the championship game. Yep. He is a monster, man. He is unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, Josh he's, Allen, he's, who. He's like 307 and like, but very fast with incredible hands. He is hands. the quickest fat person. He's not even fat. He's all muscle. He's the quickest, <laughs> yeah. uh, brick poop house you will ever see <laughs> outside of Aaron Donald, I feel like. We'll see how that translates. But in college, he is always the first Alabama player. Alabama, who has all four star and five-star recruits, all first-team All-Americans on the team. He is the fastest, quickest person off the ball every snap. You can, you can't even double-team him. Like Ed Oliver, you can double-team. I was watching uh, Jermont Jones out of Ohio State. You can double-team him. You cannot double-team Quentin Williams. So he's up there. Josh Allen, who came back for a senior season at Kentucky and, and had a fantastic season, uh, including the, the Citrus Bowl win over uh, – who did they beat in the Citrus Bowl? Uh, anyway, it was a huge uh, win for them, and he had a lot to do with it. They beat uh, Penn State. Penn State, thank you. Uh, he came back for senior season, put on 15 pounds of muscle. It's 260. He's, he's, uh, he plays more outside. He can play in coverage, but he's another guy that could be a top five pick. But I feel like, um, we're talking defense because that's what it is heavily at the top of this draft. 
But outside of one, two, three, the Raiders at four, Tampa at five, then it gets interesting. Giants at six, we said they probably won't do it. The Jaguars at seven. I feel like the Jaguars are going to trade up for Dwayne Haskins. Here's the one fly in the ointment. Tom Coughlin does not like to gamble on unproven young quarterback, uh, college kids that don't have a lot of experience. So um, there is a guy who has experience, and you probably saw a little bit of him, Daniel Jones out of Duke, but he ain't a top five pick. So uh, GM's still there, and in, in, um, Caldwell's still there in, J- in Jacksonville. they got to find a head coach, and I would imagine that Coughlin's going to have a lot of say in the quarterback situation. But Blake Bortles ain't, ain't it. <laughs> Cody Kessler ain't it. And you trade up because the window is closing on the rest of that team. You got to play Jalen Ramsey. Guys are unhappy. You can't wait around and say, oh, we'll, we'll get a bridge guy and in three years we'll figure it out. You got to do it now. And if trade up, you got to do it. Uh, what do you think about this take I just fired out on Twitter? Dabo Sweeney, by the way, the championship is final 44 to 16. If you took the over, <laughs> it, what was it? 59 and a half, closing 57 and a half. But it looked like it was doing a single point in the fourth quarter. Oh. It looked like it was cashed the whole time. Uh, what do you think about this take? And I, and I, excellent stuff on Haskins, by the way. But what do you think about this take? Dabo Sweeney didn't create the ACC version of Alabama at Clemson. He created a better version of Alabama at Clemson. Oh, that's, that's nice. Yeah. Hey, man, Dabo's turned things around there. He has, uh, got those kids believing. Look. That kid, Justin Ross, who uh, last before we started the podcast, he had six catches for 150 yards, had six catches for 150-something yards in Oklahoma two weeks ago or last week. He's an Alabama kid. And he said, I don't want to go to Alabama because of the uncertainty around the, the coaching staffs there because there's so much turnover. Those guys are you know, sure. those guys are getting jobs left and right. And he's, he's I mean, these Clemson guys, Brent Venables, what, is, what does he have to do to, for somebody to hire him away? He's making. He doesn't two, want to leave. He's making he li- two, two he likes million dollars, yeah. So, and, and, you know, he's the defense coordinator. Uh, Ross is the, the, the wide receivers coach and offense coordinator. And, um, Justin Ross, that's why he was there balling out, just abusing the secondary that has at least one first round pick. Uh, the linebackers that has at least one first round pick. They couldn't stop him. So yeah, to your point, Dabo, uh, is the, it's like NC State is the Harvard of the South or some nonsense like don't, that. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about NC State on this because, um, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence not going anywhere for two years. He's going to be carving up NC State's defense for I the next look two years. I up your Mitch Kramer joke too. I didn't. I didn't get it. You didn't get Mitch Kramer. I figured. That I was, only watched it. I haven't watched it a long time. Daisy confuses your wheelhouse. Um, that that was a popular one. I've been I've been sitting on that one all year. That was I, a good one. I was waiting. Usually my go to is Hanson, but everyone says that on Twitter. But Mitch <laughs> Kramer. I was I was waiting until the uh, till the title till the title game to see it happen. Uh, he looks just like him. He looks actually looks like a Bosa brother. Let me ask you this, Ryan: If Trevor Lawrence who is 19 years old and just led as a true freshman Clemson to a national title and an absolute dismantling of a Nick Saban defense. If Trevor Lawrence were to, were eligible to come out and enter the NFL draft, the 2019 NFL draft, where would he be the number one overall pick? The Arizona Cardinals would take Trevor Lawrence with the number one pick after taking Josh Rosen last year. <laughs> they, wouldn't they? I mean, they would. That's had- how good Trevor Lawrence is. It's insane because I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because I feel like we sort of did this with Matt Barkley back in the sure, day. Sure, But you look at what he's doing and you're going, okay. And a lot of things, a lot of times what you hear uh, people say when they talk to scouts is that um, you ask – like you, someone asked, I'm sure, plenty of scouts. I think uh, there's a Bleacher Report article that said uh, something about Trevor Lawrence being the best draft pick ever, potentially, which is a bit overboard. But I think what happens is these scouts aren't studying uh, Trevor Lawrence because he ain't coming out. 
they have jobs to do, and part of those jobs, part of that job, isn't looking at a freshman that has no chance of being drafted by the team that they work for. So they see what we see. They're watching the game on television, and going, "Oh my God, he's demoralizing this Alabama team." But at some point, you have to say, "Okay, he's done this all season, and not once has he looked overwhelmed. Not once has he made a string of bad decisions that cost his team a game." Yeah, I'm taking him first overall, and and then you figure it out. I, I'm trying to think. Did Blake Bortles ever play like this? No, he, hell no. Right. So, yeah, you take him. And look, Justin Herbert was the consensus first quarterback taken up until November-ish. Justin Herbert can't hold a candle to what we've seen Trevor Lawrence do. And Justin Herbert is still going to be a first-round pick. So, yeah, no, absolutely. You take him if you're the Arizona Cardinals. And then you take him and trade him (laughs) if you really are serious about Josh Rosen. But I, I would give serious consideration to taking him first overall. If I had Josh, look, I think Josh Rosen is going to be good, and I would trade Josh Rosen for whatever I could get for him in a trade and take Trevor Lawrence if he was there. D- same question. If Tua Tagovailoa, I can't say it. I can hear it in my head. Say it for me. Tua Tagovailoa. Tua Tagovailoa. I don't have to worry about it for another year. He's also not eligible. Uh, I thought it was a great point by our old 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 pal uh, Dane Brugler, who noted now the Athletic noted that it's possible. That we could have seen the three straight number one picks in the draft, um, in terms of like 2018 could be Quentin Williams. Like he could go number one to the Cardinals. Tua could go number one to whoever's picking first next year. And Trevor Lawrence could go whoever's picking first in 2020. If, um, let's say Tua and Trevor Lawrence are in the draft this year, what would your, what would your top three be if you were picking? Don't worry about the teams you're picking. Trevor, Dwayne Haskins. Whoa. And then Tua. Whoa. Tua, look. We see how Tua plays when he has some pressure in his face. Sure. And that's a concern. And we don't know, again, because people aren't studying. I watch Tua on television and go, oh, he's he's really good, but he plays on a fantastic team. I don't go back and watch his games really closely and go, okay, he wasn't doing this or he did that. Mm. I'm just enjoying Alabama because they're fun to watch. But he he's also shown uh, that he's capable of struggling. Uh, he, he can throw a great deep ball. He he throws relatively accurately, but he makes mistakes. So these are things you have to sort out. I've seen a lot of Dwayne Haskins, and I like a lot of what I've seen more so than Tua right now. So I would take Dwayne Haskins second. Mm, wow, Haskins! I maybe I didn't watch enough Ohio State, but watching him in that game against Washington, you're like, dude, that guy can make every throw, and he does it ever. Fifty so touchdowns, like- eight interceptions, and people have compared him to Jameis. And you should know better than anyone because you were riding this train from day one about Jameis throwing 30 interceptions as a rookie. Yeah. Jameis had 18 interceptions his last year at Florida State. Had yeah. 10 the year before that. He had 28 interceptions in two seasons that he played there. Jameis has a bigger windup than Haskins does too, I think. They're just, they're just big and they're African American and that's where the similarities. <laughs> I, I'm with you 100%. It's like, well, there's a big, big African American quarterback. I guess Jameis Winston. Oh, look, hey, there's a guy who runs fast. Uh, as an African American quarterback, Robert Griffin. I mean, like that, that's just how it works in these, right. in these draft things. That's right. And it's I, hard, it's hard not to do. There's a kid, Andy Isabella from UMass, who looks like Wes Welker. Sure. He looks like Ryan Switzer, but he runs like a 4-240 and he is demoralizing guys with the way he plays. He'll be the senior bowl of someone to watch, but right. You have to say, okay, look, be more inventive than that. But yeah, it goes both ways. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I watch Haskins and I don't see, um, I don't know who I, I don't know who I see. But yeah, I, it's hard. It's not people think, well, he's sort of like Ben Roethlisberger in that he evades. I, I can see that. Uh, he's look, shifting in the pocket. He well, is very good in the pocket the, in terms the, of just the, shifting left to right. But I don't know. The problem with Jameis, the Jameis comparison is that like if you're if to, if you're if you're going to compare somebody to Jameis, I need to see a low a, a, a slow long wind up type of throw, like a baseball throw, because that's Jameis's thing. Right. And it also like Jameis 
Did you point out the interceptions? Jameis has no, has no, has had, had, have no, will have no conscience when it comes to throwing into traffic. And you don't see that with Haskins. Haskins is a little bit more conservative with it. The thing with Tua, does Tua being left-handed concern you? No. His dad made him left-handed. They said on the, on the telecast, uh, presumably to make him more attractive. I don't know. No, why, why would I have an issue with that? Mark Brunel is left-handed. He did all right. Maybe you hate left-handed people. I don't know. No, I love him. Um, sister's left-handed. Who is? My sister. She lived down the road from you. Oh, uh, my buddy Garrett. My buddies Garrett and Nathan, both left-handed. My son could even be left-handed. I think he's ambidextrous. Pretty exciting. There you go. He's amphibious, like yeah. uh, Charles Shackelford. <laughs> Charles Shackelford did say he's amphibious. That's good. Uh, I don't think you pull that one out. I don't think the youngsters will get that. Uh, all right. Who else did you see in Clemson, Alabama? Because Tua, Tua, and, and, and Trevor Lawrence not eligible to come out. We mentioned Haskins, who didn't play in the game. Who Quinn Williams? Top. He's going top five, barring some kind of injury, right? Something crazy, yeah. I mean, look at that guy. Yeah, he's not Aaron Donald, but he's the second best thing to he's he, Aaron he Donald. Like, did he have like eleven sacks at the defensive line position? Was it seven, seven sacks maybe? I have to look it up. But he, the between the sacks, the hurries, the hits, uh, the knockdowns, it it it's incredible to watch because you're like, okay, I'll watch this game and I'll focus on Quentin Williams. And midway through the first quarter, you're like on the floor going, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, yeah, he'll be a top five pick. But uh, eighteen tackles for loss, eight sacks this season, okay. according to College Football Reference. Whew. Yeah, he's a man. Who else? Uh, who else caught your fancy from the? Williams, uh, Jonah Williams is the number seventy-three, the the left tackle for Alabama. There's been some conversation about him kicking inside. He is the best left tackle in college football, and it's not even close. And if you need a left tackle, you draft him and you play him at left tackle. There's some his arms may not be long enough. Is one of the complaints we sometimes hear. I've watched him play like three games really closely. I watched a little bit of him today. Uh, Clellan Furl, get to say Furl, uh, really didn't do much against him. He had one, well, he knocked him down one time. I think Jonah Williams tripped um, on his own feet. But every time I've watched him play, that dude is just destroying guys. He's unbelievably balanced. No one ever gets close to two on that side of the line. Um, I have to look and see where I have him going. I can't remember. I think I have him going top seven or eight maybe. Number, I have him going six to New York Giants. So that makes sense to protect Eli for the next 10 years because they'll both be there for that long. So, uh, Jonah Williams is the best offensive lineman to probably be the first offensive player taken, uh, outside of a quarterback unless someone, wow. Um, this, goes, dra- this draft is not good. It's not attractive. It's, for, it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's the, it's the antithesis of last year when you had the five, right. the five big name quarterbacks everybody was focusing in on. Um, and this one, well, you have uh, Daniel Jones going in the first round and, and Dwayne Haskins and uh, Drew Locke, at least in this, this latest draft. And we know all, we obviously know how much that changes. I'm going to do a quick, okay, good. Calvin Harmon first round as well. He's in there. Yeah. You yeah, know yeah, it. Yeah, 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 I yeah. love Calvin. Calvin's a stud. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it is weird. Like I think we could end up seeing unless Haskins, Unless you see a trade up for Haskins, I mean, we could see a lot of defensive players come off the board early. Right? There may only be one quarterback going this first round, depending on how um, conservative these quarterback desperate teams are, whether they're willing to sit on their hands and not overdraft someone. So, yeah, that's exactly right. Deontay Thompson, uh, the number fourteen, the Alabama safety, did not have a great game in the national championship game. He sort of got burned on that long. Uh, Justin Ross touchdown where Sevion got hurt at the line of scrimmage, the, the cornerback. It wasn't entirely Thompson's fault, but uh, you have to take a better angle there. But he's a big-time safety. He's the best safety in this class. I had him going to Green Bay in the middle of the middle of the round. Uh, well, who else at Alabama? Raekwon Davis plays next to Quentin Williams, number 99. He came into the season being the guy to watch and keep your eye on. And I watched him 
three or four games. I was like, you know what? He is not having a great year. And he, he takes up blockers. He's good uh, in the run game. But the, his biggest issue is that he plays next to Quentin Williams. So mm. he could be a first-round pick. I haven't had him going in the first round in probably a month. But we'll see more once you get into it. He's not going to the Senior Bowl, I don't think. But once you get to the Senior Bowl and then the Combine, we'll, we'll get a better idea of where what teams think. Mac Wilson, their linebacker, number 30, one of the two best inside linebackers in the draft, along with De- Devin White at LSU. He may come back to college, which um, will make him the best linebacker next year as well. So that'll be worth watching. And I'll give you a name that a lot of people haven't really been talking about. We know about uh, Damian Harris, the running back, number 34. Oh, He's yeah. been talked about all year. Josh, He'll probably be like a second-day pick. Josh Jacobs? Josh Jacobs, you know it. I have him actually going in the first round for the first wow. time. Wow. Uh, to to the Eagles. Like I love him playing on that Eagles team at twenty five. I think is where I have him going. Um, and he is a more explosive uh, runner, more explosive like one cut guy compared to Damian Harris. My only concern, he can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield. He hasn't been used a lot in that regard. He runs all the all the Wildcats in the in the third and fourth and short situations for Alabama. He can return kicks. Mm. Um, but he is a bowling ball man, and he's dude. Fat. The Clemson Clemson stuffed Alabama all night, and they couldn't do anything with Jacobs on that Wildcat stuff. I mean, he That's was right. he was getting on the edge, he was busting up the middle, he was getting the first down every time. I know an NFL team won't use him like that. I mean, maybe the Titans. Yeah. Hey, look, the maybe yeah. the, hey the Titans use Derrick Henry like that. Maybe this is a maybe it's a. I'm going to steal this one for my Wednesday mock draft. I might put Josh Jacobs to go. the Green Bay Packers and Matt Lafleur. What do you think about that? Well, I haven't gone to the Packers, so you can do that. But I already did that one. But oh, you to, did? to your point you about to to uh, Derrick Henry, hmm? you haven't gone to the Eagles. Eagles. Oh, sorry. Right. The Packers. Uh, have two go, yeah, picks. Packers you got. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the the Packers have the last first round pick as it stands. Uh, but to your point about Derrick Henry, that's my concern. Alabama running back. So we have to sort of kick the tires on that. Jacobs might come back as well to Alabama, but I like him a lot. He's probably. Have we had a great Alabama running back? Am I missing something? Uh, I'm trying to think. Unless Mark you... Ingram, first round. Trent was... Richardson, boss. Mark Ingram's been good. He's not great. Yeah, he's been good. Derek Derek Henry's been good. Is not lived up to his. He's a second round pick. Yep. Uh, Yeldon, no. No. Uh-uh. So yeah, Kenyon Ken- Drake, no. So right, that's that's the concern. Um, but he's still probably either one or one A in terms of where uh, my running backs are right now, where I would rank him along with the running backs. One other guy on Alabama we can mention real quick: Irv Smith Jr., the tight end. Uh, his dad was a tight end, played for the Saints. I looked it up on uh, Football Outsiders in 1995. He was the fourth best tight end, according to DVOA. So he comes from um, a long line of uh, tight ends. He reminds me a little bit of Evan Ingram, probably not as fast. But he was uh, giving the Clemson defense a little trouble early on in that game. And then once they settled down, it was it was a wrap on, on that whole offense for Alabama. But he's a guy that could sneak into the first round. He's a guy that I sort of like, and I mean this it's strictly in the football sense, but in the way that the Patriots used Aaron Hernandez. Um, which was sort of a change of pace to Rob Gronkowski, but he doesn't need to be a change of pace guy. He can be your main guy too. So another guy who could be uh, late first, day two pick. Mm. All right. Uh, what other? We can talk about the Clemson guys real quick. Those just Alabama guys. <laughs> you know what? I could do my job as a host and, and give you the Clemson guys. I keep getting distracted by Travis Etienne uh, holding up a GoPro. And, and oh, they're still doing that. It's unbelievable. It's midnight. These college kids don't have stuff to do. Get back to it's class. Santa Clara. Uh, I guess it is 9 p.m. there. Um, did you take a red eye on Santa Clara? Was that the, or was that, <laughs> I was just thinking about that. The 2016, that? Jan, yeah. favorite 2016 Super Bowl. That was the Panthers, red- Panthers Super Bowl. 
That's right, Red Eye. I actually left uh, earlier than I was ex- thinking that I was going to have to leave. Uh, EK wasn't – I don't think he was super pumped about that. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, the Clemson guys. Yeah, so uh, Cleveland Furl, number 99, plays uh, defensive end. Came into the season a lot of hype. He He's a first-round pick, but every time I watch him, I wonder about his uh, flexibility around the edge. He has His sack totals are insane, but he plays on the best defensive line in college football. So we'll see. He's a good player, but he's not – a he doesn't strike me as a game changer. Plays next to Christian Wilkins. Big game. Came back for senior season, number 42. Defensive lineman. Also borderline first round, second round pick. Dexter Lawrence didn't even play. Possibly the best defensive lineman on – best player on the defensive line. He weighs 340 pounds, but he plays like he weighs 240 pounds. So he's another guy that reminds me of Vince Wilfork in terms of the way he looks, but he's faster. Who, Dexter? Yeah. You know how old he is? How old? 21 years old. Yeah. So he's from, there you uh, go. he's from Wake Forest, North Carolina, about 15 minutes north of me. Nice. Um, was, he was, he was debating between, uh, NC State and Clemson. It was a big deal when he took, went to Clemson. No, I'm not surprised. He was like the best, best defensive player in the country. I think he's a top. Do you, where did you have him going? In- last week I had him going top 10. I'm not sure if I had him in the first round this time or not. I think he's right there on the borderline. Didn't play the last two games because of the. So you, you think he might not go first round? There's just so many defensive players in this draft, and I feel like it's one thing to stop the run, but you have to consistently get after the quarterback if you're an interior defensive lineman to merit a first-round pick. Uh, I like him better than Raekwon Davis. I like him better than uh, Jerron Jones at Ohio State. I like him a lot. I could see him going to the top 15, but there's so many players that are could be sort of game-changers for your defense that he may slip a little bit. Clemson held Alabama to 16 points without Dexter Lawrence. Yeah. And no one is talking about this suspension. Why is no one talking about this suspension? Like, this should be a bigger deal. D- Dabo came out and said, I, you know, it's like, you can get this from hair gel or Diet Coke or, uh, well, they, I think they like monitor everything that these guys do. And I think it was one of these substances that you could accidentally take. I don't remember what it's called. I looked I, it up. No, I looked it up. It's banned in like China too. It's illegal all, oh. it's illegal across the entire world. It's and I not, thought it was weird that it was a two-game suspension as well because that – why this, yeah. the guy's last two games, so it must have been – I didn't – honestly, I was one of the people that didn't pay much attention to it. I said, oh, he's suspended. I'll focus on the players that are going to be playing. Um, one other guy let me mention real quick. Trevon Mullen has gotten a lot of pub as a first-round pick since October. And I would watch him be like, okay, uh, he's out there, but he's not doing a whole lot, and I see him getting – giving up big plays. He had a huge game in the national title game. Had an interception, a couple huge tackles. Um he stuck his nose in to make some tackles. He came out for a little bit. I don't know if he came back in after he was um, he had cramps, I think. But uh, so that's a guy to watch. Uh, I don't know if he's a first round pick, but he finally uh, he play, played his best game on the biggest stage. So you know, good for him. Um, yeah, I I think Dexter Lawrence will go top ten unless this. Uh, wow. I do. I just think he's a stud. He's so young. He is a stud. Um, unless this unless this whole issue becomes a bigger thing but i don't think it will be like does anyone in the is anyone in the nfl gonna be like oh man you took you got caught, caught with steroids uh we don't we don't we're not really big as long as you're not doing it at the combine they'll be okay with it or as, long, I mean, as long as you're not like hurting somebody physically the nfl ain't gonna pop you for steroids just don't smoke weed and don't injure other humans you do all the steroids you want nobody's gonna nobody's gonna complain about that um any other prospects you want to touch on or should we save them we got plenty of time to talk about it right 
Yeah, that's. I mean, a, a fun guy to watch will be Hunter Renfro. He's the ah, the ball guy. He's going <laughs> he's to the pa- he's going to the Patriots, of course. Yeah, he's been playing at Clemson for forty five years. Male pattern baldness. He reminds me of a, he's Andrew Luck's younger brother who plays wide receiver, basically same haircut, yeah. same. <laughs> but he's a fun guy to watch. I think he's going to be the Senior Bowl, so um, he'll probably be popular there, and he'll be a guy that you know possession receiver. What can he do? Type thing. Had a. He, I mean, I think he has all sorts of records at Clemson for what he's done there for four years. Um. All right. Great stuff, Ryan Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Wilson CBS. Got that verified handle now. NFL draft expert. Gonna have you on uh, every week. Okay, you got to talk to me every week for the rest of your awesome. life. Awesome. Then that sucks, man. Sucks for you. Uh, you, you want to hear a funny story real quick? I told this. On the I podcast. would love to. I told this on the podcast, but, but I'm assuming you didn't listen, so that's fine. It's no big deal. So my in-laws were over on Christmas Eve. And, um, and I was like, yeah, I gotta do a podcast with Brady. And my mother-in-law was like, Tom Brady. Even better, lady. I was like, no, uh, Brady Quinn. And my stepfather-in-law was like, oh man, he's like, what's, uh, what's Brady Quinn up to? I was like, <laughs> well, he's actually, you know, we do this podcast once a week and Carrie, my stepfather-in-law goes, Man, that's he's really hit hard times, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's do, he's doing well the other six days of the week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the other how he many, slumped it one day. How many hours are in a week? Uh, let's see, what, seven times twenty-four. So yeah, minus minus yeah, hundred minus one. He's doing it's not hundred. But yeah, no, that that's that's hilarious. Yeah, every time I see Brady, he's doing something on television. He is with Shane with our buddy Shane Bacon. All over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shane Bacon blowing up from fan house days. All right, Ryan, we'll get out of here. Got enough draft talk. We will uh, touch you next week, man. Thank you, sir.